Welcome to the Sage Advice Podcast. I'm Jessica McHugh, Marketing Director at Sage Advisory. And I'm Nick Erickson, a Portfolio Manager at Sage, who heads up our Municipal ESG Strategy. Last week at the SRI Conference in Colorado Springs, we met up with Nikolai Lundy, who is the Director of Education and Partnerships at the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, or SASB. Today, SASB released a set of 77 codified standards that identify the minimal set of financially material sustainability topics and their associated metrics for the typical company in an industry. Thank you so much, Jessica and Nick, for having me. It's just a, a joy to be on the podcast. So SASB was really founded to help solve the problem that both uh, investors and companies were facing around growing interest in sustainability, growing awareness that some of these issues can have a financial impact on the business, but a lack of consistent information to be able to actually assess a company's performance. So to give you an example, if you're looking at an insurance industry, an insurance company, the percent of properties that they have in flood zones is going to impact the risk of uh, providing capital. Whereas if you're looking at a, a restaurant uh, chain, uh, that's completely irrelevant. But what's most important is the uh, nutritional profile of their products, the way they their labor practices. Not that there's any one right way. It's not that being offering more nutritional food is better and less nutritional food is worse necessarily, but this information helps an investor understand the risk of investing in a company because there's changing customer preferences, changing regulatory trends, and just changing business impacts on the company's performance. So SASB's role is to develop standards that make it possible for the market to get that information and make their own decisions about uh, where they see risk and opportunity. And so one of the ways that SASB differentiates itself um, is that you include input from the companies themselves when you're creating these standards. Could you tell us a little bit about how you include the companies in the process? Absolutely. So SASB, as you probably have noticed, is uh, a very cheeky rip on the name of FASB and GASB and IASB because we have really modeled our process to be very similar to the way the financial accounting centers work, where we uh, will do some fundamental research on the sustainability or ESG issues that might impact an industry. And then we surface our initial research for feedback from companies and from investors And we actively bring them to the table to give us that feedback. And so that has led to a lot of changes over the years that uh, really reflect the views of uh, disclosure burden on companies and useful information for investment decision making. So where can we find the happy middle ground between those two things? One simple way in which that feedback has actually led to changes is that We've gone through about four different public drafts of the standards over the past six years. Uh, The most recent version, uh, the provisional version, uh, was uh, published. The last set was published in 2016 for 79 industries, 10 sectors. Uh, We heard from some companies that some of these industries were really duplicative. Biotechnology and pharmaceuticals. Most companies really spanned both of them. Cable and satellite and telecom. Most companies, you know, you have a small number of conglomerates. They basically do everything in both industries. So we actually combined both those industries as one simple way to reflect the the, uh, incorporation of feedback from the market. So on Wednesday, November 7th, we are going to publish a finalized set uh, that reflects all of the work of the past six years. 
and it'll be 77 industries across 11 sectors. And uh, we document where we have made changes along the way. And uh, we identify which companies have been involved. And we have a variety of public comment letters that we've gotten from companies and industry associations. So uh, you could have some organizations that have been involved in giving feedback on all of the drafts along the way. And we're very transparent about who's involved and what we propose and the type of feedback we get back uh, because we think that's critical for building trust in the uh, usefulness of the standards. One of the goals of SASB after you know coming out with these global standards is to actually get it to the point where it becomes mandatory reporting. So what are the next steps after the standards are published? How do you get this so that it's mainstream so that companies are then, you know, just reporting it alongside their quarterly earnings. We see this really evolving over time. You know, financial accounting standards have been around, you know, financial accounting has been around for 400 years and and the standards around uh, which we use today with FASB in the U.S. have been around since the 70s. And it took uh, 40 years from the Great Depression to even get to FASB. So uh, these things take time and we anticipate the same thing with uh, the sustainability disclosure and sustainability reporting that comes with our standards. That being said, obviously our world moves very quickly. So instead of taking 40 years, who knows, it might take 10 or, or less. But the really focus of our work right now is because we've involved so many companies and investors in the process, we're now going to be going back to them and understanding how they might be using them, what information uh, are investors using to inform their valuations, to inform their corporate engagement efforts, to inform the scorings that they do on the companies they're considering investing in, and then how are companies starting to think about preparing data collection processes, putting in internal controls over that data, uh, potentially getting external review and assurance of that information before they report it publicly. So we're seeing already about 30 companies that have done this on the provisional standards. Some have done it in SEC filings. Most have done it in sustainability reports or uh, standalone investor-focused documents that go on their investor relations website. You see a myriad of activities. I think we'll continue to see this proliferation of varied approaches to how companies meet this information need. And then as you see more and more prevalence of this and a lot of variability, that's, in my opinion, personal opinion, when you'll likely see regulatory changes come in. But you're also going to see it happen in different jurisdictions. The EU has already uh, established a directive for requiring some level of reporting on these issues, uh, but it's very much up to the company to decide what to report. And they might use SASB, they might use something else. Uh, in the U.S., it's not uh, quite top of mind on the agenda. And so you might see differentiation in different countries as well. Uh, but in our view, the biggest driver right now are the institutional investors. We have great support from organizations like Sage, which has really been an early leader in recognizing the value of this information and uh, supporting our work to make sure that the market has access to the information so that Sage can do what it does best, absorb information about uh, companies and municipal debt and sovereign debt and make us make sense of it to inform where to put capital to its best use. You need the information to make those decisions. And so we're great 
we're very thankful for support from organizations like Sage that have really raised the profile among companies around the world. You mentioned uh, companies who have uh, worked with the provisional standards and who have done other types of reporting. Do you have any type of idea of geographical breakdown where the majority of these companies are or where you see the quickest uptake of adoption of the global standards you think will be? Yeah, absolutely. So SASB was founded in San Francisco. We have uh, a meaningful presence in New York. We really have uh, established our roots in the U.S., and that's where we have probably the strongest, deepest ties uh, among a variety of companies. That being said, uh, we have seen a variety of companies outside the U.S. that just consider themselves leaders in making this information available who have uh, wanted to uh, start reporting with the standards. So we're seeing that in South Korea. We're seeing it in Japan. We're seeing it in the UK. We're seeing it in France. Uh, we're seeing it in Canada. So there's a variety of uh, countries around the world where this is happening. Uh, and we are doing our best with a, you know, U.S. based staff to really support uh, organizations around the world using it. So right now it's, it's about 60% of reporting organizations are based in the U S and about 40% are outside the U S. Thank you so much, Nikolai, for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Sage Advisory Services is a registered investment advisor that provides investment management services for a variety of institutions and high net worth individuals. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as investment advice or an offer or solicitation with respect to the purchase or sale of any security, strategy, or investment product. Investors should make their own decisions on investment strategies based on their specific investment objectives and financial circumstances. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. For additional information on SAGE, and its investment management services, please view our website at www.sageadvisory.com or refer to our Form ADV, which is available upon request by calling 512-327-5530. Intro music brought to you by Kevin McLeod, Feeling Good, and Comtech.com.